0: Well, thank you. Good morning. Uh, It's good to be back at the West Forward campus. I get to do that quite a bit, and so it's good to be here today. But before I get started, what I want you to do is, there's a bunch of wonderful people out there. Some of them are a little younger than we're used to, and we just want to make sure that they all get met. So if you don't mind just taking just a few moments, turn around, say hello to the person behind you, around you, introduce yourself, and then we'll get started. Well, again, good morning. Um, What you just done, if you participated in something that cultures do everywhere, whenever you come and you meet someone that you don't know, you start to introduce yourself. You let them know who you are. You may tell them your name, maybe um, how you spend your time, what you do in your occupation or whether you're at home, um, maybe who you're connected with, who's your family. This whole introduction process occurs. If we were meeting me for the first time, I would say, hello, my name is Twan. You might be a little confused, probably never heard that name. Um, You'll ask how to spell it. I'll tell you. There'll be a random Q in there. That'll confuse you a little bit, but that's okay. (laughs) I'll tell you my name, and then I'll say my last name. That's the family that I come from. I'll tell you that I'm a a minister. I've been doing it for 27 years ish years. And I will tell you who my family is. I'm married and I have three children. And you begin to get to know who I am by what I put out there, by what I let you in. These are like things that I'm letting you know, they identify who I am. Okay. But when do we get to that spot? Right. When do we get from baby to hello, I am. Right. Because when I was born, I don't remember it well, but I don't think I came out and said, well, hello there, um, doctor, sir. My name is Tuan. it is very good to meet you. That's my mom back there, my dad's passed out over there. But uh, man, thank you for bringing me into the world. I, You don't do that. So somewhere along the way, somewhere along the way, you get this, this picture of who you are. You know, these two people in my life, mom and dad kept calling me Tuan. so I guess that's what my name is, right? And you, and you figure out by the people that are surrounding you and your community who you are. It's revealed and discovered, and you have to decide what do I do with that, right? Because sometimes people are saying things like, Nana might say, oh, he's just like Uncle Timmy. And you're like, "Ooh, I don't want to be like Uncle Timmy. <laughs> okay? So all these folks, all these people, all these things, are speaking into what we claim as our identity, who we are. And God is speaking into that too. Let's take a look in the word, going all the way back to the very beginning in the book of Genesis. You don't know what's happened. Six days have occurred. God has spoken into the nothingness, and he's created all sorts of things, the water, the sky, uh, the land, the animals, and everything. And he gets to day six. He's been creating some animals, and then he gets to a point where he's going to create something that's a little different. And here's what it says. So God created human beings. In his own image, in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. So this is what we find out. We're reading in Genesis and we go, oh, I'm a being and I happen to be a human kind of being, right? We come to find out that there's this, this, this entity, this being named God. And he says that he has made me like him, that his very image is stamped on my life. And that there's two kinds of us human kind of beings. There's male and female. And so we get to find out a little bit about what he says and who we are. We're going to keep reading. And then God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and govern it. Reign over the fish of the sea, the birds in the sky, and animals that scurry along the ground. So we found out who we are, who we've been made from, what we kind of look like uh, in the image of God. We're male and female, and now we have a job. Have families. Rule over the earth. You're in charge is what God says. That's your job. Take care of it. And we're going to read some more because he gives us a little more about how we're created and what we're made. How we're made. Then the Lord said, and this is in Genesis chapter 2, then the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground and breathed life into the man's nostrils and the man became a living being. If you're ever feeling a little too high in yourself, just remember where you came from, the ground. That'll help you be humble a little bit because God formed, I mean, I read and I'm like, oh, out of the dirt? I mean, couldn't we have picked something a little nicer? But that's okay. Formed out of the dirt, and then he breathed life into me. And so there's this kind of marvelous mixture of matter and spirit that he calls humans. And then the next verse says, then the Lord God planted in the garden of Eden. Uh, I'm sorry. The Lord planted a garden in the east. It was called Eden. And there he placed the man he had made. So we know we're human beings. We know we're made in the image of God. We know that we're male and female. We know that um, he's given us a job. And now we know where we're supposed to, where we're supposed to kick it, where the crib is supposed to be, all right, where we hang our hat. He place is in it, and we have all these things. And if you read in the Genesis account, you see that as God is creating things and he's putting things in his place and mankind in its place, he says it's good and things are right. Adam and Eve are living in that. They're out there naming the animals, squirrel, chicken, fox. I mean, they're doing their thing. They're in charge and, and things are going well until... Until someone brings in some doubt and things go a little weird. Before that, we need to know this, and I want you to hear this very well. Who we believe we are determines what we do. And I'm going to say that again because that is critical for our understanding. Who we believe we are will determine exactly what we do because that's how we function. We function out of who we believe we are. We're going to see what happens to Adam and Eve here in just a little moment. But um, to better share the story of this, um, I want to tell a story that was told to me when I was um, in student ministry back when, way back when student ministry began in the early ages. And I want to tell a story. And so. Um, my fifth grade and below. Raise your hands, wave them like all my kids. Let me see you. Say hello. Hi. How you doing? You out there? All right. There you are. All right. I hear you. All right. This is Herbie. All right. Now, Herbie, before he is the fine strapping of a bird that he is, he started out, as all birds do, as an egg. Right? And Herbie's his egg, and he's put in a nest by Mr. and Mrs. Hawk, his parents, right? And that's up on the cliff. They try to keep it safe. But there's this storm that comes, right? And the storm comes, and, her, and there's this mudslide. And, the, and Herbie's egg slides down into, down below, where there was a chicken coop. All right? Now, if you don't know what a chicken coop is, it's a chicken house. It's where all the chickens are, okay? And the farmer has them there, has a fence around them, protects them, and that's where they lay all their eggs and all the chicken stuff that they do and learn about, okay? And so, Hurry's egg slides down there with all the other chicken eggs. And lo and behold, he hatches, just like all the other chicks. Now, it's pretty obvious to all the other chicks and Hurry Herbie that Hurry's a little different. He's not quite like all the other chicks, right? He's a little bigger. He's a little awkward. He takes more space. But Herbie is determined. Look, I've got my chicken community around me. I am going to be the very best chicken I can be. And so Herbie goes on his way to learn how to be the best chicken he could be. Farmer comes out, throws out the chicken feed. And all the chicks are pecking, eating their chicken feed, right? Herbie's like, okay, well, here we go. And he goes and he pecks down. He's like, oh, this is terrible. I can't believe I'm trying to eat this. But Herbie's determined. And so he works on his gag reflex and he eats all the chicken feed, right? He's like, okay, I'm going to be a good chicken. And all the chickens, the ones who really want to excel, they all go to rooster school because the rooster is the thing that starts the day what more important job is it for you to yell cock-a-doodle-doo and everything else in all the day begins, right? And so they're all learning and they're in there and they're saying they're cock-a-doodle-doos and he's there with Foghorn Leghorn and Chicken Little, his buddies, right? And they're there and they're going cock-a-doodle-doo and, and Herbie gets up and he goes, Aah! and they're like, oh my goodness, Herbie, please don't do that. Try something else, but he's a charming. He at least gets out of screechy, screech, screech. And he also, they have this thing, I know you didn't know this, chicken coops are pretty amazing, but they have this thing called the Chicken X Games. (laughs) And what they do is, because chickens can't fly, so it's pretty impressive if they can get a running start and flap their wings and see how far they can get before they land again. Now, Now, Kirby. I mean, he wasn't good at eating the chicken feed and he wasn't very good at the cock but man, he could jump. he jumped, jump, flap those wings out, and he'd go farther than anybody else. He's like, well, okay, well, at least I got something as a chicken, I can say. One time he's fine, he almost jumps out of the coop and the elders and all the other hens and say, don't do that. Out there is dangerous. There's foxes and dangers. And then sometimes there's even some other big birds of prey that try to come and get us. So stay in the coop, you'll be safe. It'll be great, okay? But don't go out there. She's like, okay. Well, one day, they see this big shadow, whoosh by and they're like, oh no, it's a hawk. And so they all, oh, the chickens go scurrying. They start hiding on the coop and hiding in these little places to try to get away from the danger. And Herbie's trying to hide too, but Herbie's huge. He can't hide in those little small places. So he's hiding in and they're like, go somewhere else. Next thing you know, this hawk comes down and lands, and Herbie's like, oh, no. And he looks up, and he sees the hawk, and it's landed by him. And the hawk is just, I don't know if you've ever, like, watched, like, some of those documentaries, these animals and so forth, and the birds just kind of look, and they do this number, and they kind of go back like this, and look. Well, that's what the hawk is doing, and it is just looking at Herbie. And Herbie's just waiting to be like crushed by this huge bird. And the hawk goes, Herbie? And Herbie's like, You know my name? He's like, Yes, I'm Mr. Hawk. I'm your dad. We've been looking for you. I can't believe I found you in a chicken coop. Herbie's like, Well, this is my people, my chicken people. They're all hiding out there, but these are my people. And he goes, What do you mean these are my people? He says, I'm a chicken. He's like, really? Yes. He goes, watch. And so he goes and he pecks his feet. He's like, ugh, ugh. I did it. See, I'm a chicken. He goes and he goes, screech, screech, screech. It's like not very good, but he gets his cockadoodle out. And then he begins to start. He's like, ugh. Mr. Hawk's like, that's okay. Don't do anything else. I'm telling you, you are not a chicken. You are a hawk. You're my son. You need to come and leave the coop. Kirby's like, no. All my friends are here. Little and foghorn, like, oh, they're here, here's my people. And so they're having this back and forth because Herbie is sh- determined to be the great chicken that he has prepared himself to be. Finally, Mr. Hawk, Mr. Dad Hawk, he's kind of fed up. He's like, I'm going to show you that you are not a chicken. And so, and he looks kind of intense and Herbie's like, oh no, this is it. It's going to be done. And he goes up, he spreads out his wing and his talons come out. And Herbie's like, ah! And next thing he knows, Herbie has been picked up by this hawk, and he's soaring into the sky, and he's going up, and he sees the cliff, and they go beyond the cliff, and they start to go through the clouds, and he feels the moisture of the clouds, and they go above that, and they're like way up in the air. All he can see is like the sun and the sea of clouds, and Mr. Hawk, who has him, he says, well, Herbie, you're about to find out that you're a hawk. He says, you ready? And Herbie's like, I don't think I'm ready. Oh, that's too bad, because here we go. And the hawk lets him go. And Herbie's like, "Ah!" he's falling and he's raving. he's he's trying, his wings are going everywhere. And the hawk, he's like, why did this hawk do this to me? This is terrible, he could have just eaten me. But he's like, no. And he tells Herbie, Herbie, open your wings. Are y'all with me, young ones? He says, open your wings. And so Herbie puts his wings out. And the next thing you know, he starts to take flight. And the wind goes underneath his wings. And he's feeling the wind in his feathers. And he starts to rise up. And he is just soaring on the wind. And the dead hawk says, see, chickens don't do that. Hawks do. You are a hawk. Herbie was living in a way that he thought was right, that he felt was right. But it's not the way he was meant to live. And he was fitting in there as best he could, even did some things kind of well. Being the best chicken that Herbie could be, but he's not a chicken. And he ends up living in a way that he is not intended. And not getting to experience the sky and the clouds and the sun. You see, sometimes we do that as well, moms and dads. So that story is not just for the little ones, but it's for us too. Because like I said earlier, there's a lot of things speaking into our lives, telling us, this is who you are. You're supposed to be this way or this way. This is how you do life as a human being here. And we find out this is what happens when things don't go right in the garden. Remember, things were going well. They know who they are. They're made in the image of God, male and female, placed in the garden. And then someone shows up, a serpent. Now, if you don't know this about the garden, in the garden was a tree. A tree of knowledge of good and evil. There's another special tree called the tree of life, but the one that's important for us to know right now is the tree of knowledge of good and evil. And God had told him, don't eat of that tree or you're going to die. So Adam and Eve, there they are, walking in the garden and the serpent. The devil shows up in the form of a serpent. He says, hey, you supposed to not eat like any of the trees in the garden? He's like, no, of course we can eat the trees in the garden. It's just the one in the middle. Don't need that one, don't touch it, you're gonna die. That's what we're told. Don't go near it. God told us that, all right? And this is what Satan does. In Genesis chapter three, verses four through five. He says, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open soon. And as you eat it, you will be like God knowing both good and evil. The servant does two very treacherous things and I don't want us to miss it. The first thing he does is he discredits God who is the one who has established their identity in the beginning. God has told him you will die. Satan just file says, don't trust that. You're not gonna die. You'll be fine. And then he goes after their identity. Because he says, see, God's holding out on you. Because God knows that when you eat of the tree, you're going to know good and evil, and you're going to be like him, just like he is. It's going to be good. You're going to be better than you ever were. Come on. Don't you want this? If you don't recall, earlier in Genesis, we read, And God made them. In God's image, he made them, male and female. He created them. They were already made in the image of God. They were already like him. But Satan was telling them, that's not enough. You want to really be like God? You got to do this. And this is what happens in verse 6. And the woman was convinced That's probably the saddest line of that whole verse. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful and its fruit looked delicious and she wanted the wisdom that it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. And then she gave some to her husband who was with her. Don't miss that. He was there too. And he ate it as well. The servant showed up. With this new lifestyle, this new thing that's going to help them be more of who they want to be. And they were convinced. Now, I mean, they were convinced. And it says next, at that moment, their eyes were opened. And they saw, and they were suddenly felt shame. Now remember, all those six days, everything was very good. Nothing wrong had happened. Nothing bad had occurred. They were living in paradise. Food on, on the tree right there. No cooking, moms. None of that. It was just there. But they were convinced, and so for the first time ever, as they had been walking with God in the garden before, now they hid because they felt shame. Because they know they had stepped outside of their identity. They stepped outside of who they were designed to be, how they were designed to live. And this weird thing, this terrible thing called shame came up. See, who we believe we are determines what we do. And often our world offers us something that is against our identity and we become convinced too. And we become convinced that we are who the world says we are. Because it seems like things may be working for them. If you notice Eve with the tree, it looked right. Fruit looks good. Seems okay. Oh, and I've had fruit that looks like that. That's pretty delicious looking. I'm going to try this out. Sometimes we are convinced that to, to live like we feel instead of like the way God has made us. Sometimes we feel convinced that we don't even have a Father in heaven and we can just, we just need to figure it out. And sometimes we're convinced that all, the only hope we have is ourselves. Our money, our power, or whatever gets us along because that's how it seems that the world gets along. But there's another voice and it's God and he's speaking something contrary to what the world says and he's speaking to our identity. You see in Romans chapter five, Apostle Paul is writing about this very scenario. And it says, yes, Adam's one sin, okay, with the fruit that we just talked about, it brings condemnation to everyone. We all understand that shame. We all know what it's like to end up being this thing that we shouldn't have been, doing this thing that we shouldn't have done. But Christ's one act of righteousness, and this one act is him going to the cross and dying and being raised from the dead, This one act of righteousness brings right relationship with God and new life for everyone. Listen, if you are considering Jesus, like I'm not so sure, you're wondering. This is his offer. He's saying, look at the way you're living. Is it working? If it's the way of Adam, it brings condemnation and it brings death. But what he is offering is new life the life that he has designed and is different than what we experience with what we just see around us. We find ourselves in relationship with God like Adam and Eve had before the fall. Now to those who have been walking with the Lord for a while you're like me, and it's been a a long while. I mean, I was baptized when I was like 11 and a half years old, and I am much older than 11 and a half. And I find myself sometimes kind of in and out of the identity that I should have, the one I know that God has given me. But couldn't you imagine? Those of us who said, yes, I believe, I've gotten in the water. He's my God. I'm going to follow him. Can you imagine if we started to introduce ourselves with the identity that God gives us? Well, not necessarily just by our names, which is fine, but it could sound something like this. Hello. I'm stamped with the image of God. His likeness is on me. That's what it told me in Genesis. Hello. I am loved so much by God that he sent Jesus to die for me. Hello, I'm fearfully and wonderfully made like David said about himself. Hello, I'm a person full of purpose because God has prepared good works in advance for me to do long before I ever got here. Hello, hello, I'm never alone or abandoned, because as I make disciples, Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. Hello, I'm completely forgiven of all my sin. Every last one I've ever done, Everyone is coming because of the sacrifice of Jesus. Hello, I'm a new creation. What was old, my old way of life that's gone and a new way is coming. This is what God is bringing me. This is who I am. Hello, I am a child of God. I have a son or daughter of God. This is who I am. Can you imagine if we went around and that was our name tag and we lived in that completely like God has for us? That is what he has for us identity as his sons, his daughters those created in his image the word says we are co-heirs with Christ we have so much in our identity if we would just hold on to it and listen to the one who formed us from the beginning because he knows who we are so let's do this if you don't mind standing up with me because we're about to sing and the band can come on out just come on out if any of this has resonated with you maybe you found that uh, you're like oh man Twan I've been trying to figure out who I am for a real long time and I've tried this and I've tried that, and it's just not working, I don't think. And you want some help? We've got some people who will pray with you. Matter of fact, do y'all come forward over there? Y'all can come on in, sorry. Didn't give you much warning, come on up. (laughs) But they would love to pray with you about that. They would love to talk with you. Not that we got it all figured out, man, we we just know that there's one who does, and we're trying to follow him and point you to him as well. So maybe you're going, I don't know this Jesus guy at all, but man, what you're talking about, Twan, about really being who I am, who I'm supposed to be. I wanna know more about that. I wanna talk to you and pray with you about that. Maybe you're like, oh, dude, I'm in. Sign me up, I'm ready for the water right now. We're ready for that too. Because God is giving us what He intended from the very beginning, to be His people, made in His image, living like Him, carrying that identity with us everywhere we go. That's what He has for you, that's what He has for me. So let's pray and we'll sing. God, you're good. And you honored us enough to stamp us with your image. We say, thank you. Help us to understand more what that means, to own it, to live it and believe you because there is where we find life. God, we pray all this in the name of Jesus.